Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. When Mary said to Gabriel, I'm your bondservant, God, Mary was only 13, but she knew what she was saying. She knew that her acquiescence to being the mother of the Lord might very well end the relationship with a man she loved more than any other person on earth. You know, that's an extraordinary sacrifice for anybody to make, but for a teenage girl, think about that. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. Throughout the history of the church, Christians have had some wildly differing views about the mother of Jesus. So what's the proper way to regard this remarkable young woman named Mary? Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress turns to the defining passage on the mother of Jesus and her prominent role in the Christmas story. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. And I can't think of anybody I would rather spend my birthday with than our Pathway to Victory audience. Christmas season is known for its wonderful traditions, and one of my favorite traditions at Pathway to Victory is the exclusive daily devotional we prepare for you for the coming year. And it's beautiful. The leather cover is a handsome slate blue with gold accents, and it's more than 500 pages in length, with an inspirational chapter for every single day in 2023. The Daily Devotional is yours when you give a generous year-end gift to the Light in the Darkness Matching Challenge that's active right now. Let me explain. Pathway to Victory has received an enormous matching challenge from good friends. They've set aside $525,000, intending to motivate people like you to give generously in December. As a result, your gift today will be multiplied by two, having twice the impact on our country and the world. Your $50 generous gift becomes $100. Your $100 gift becomes $200. A $5,000 gift would become $10,000. All these proceeds will be channeled directly into reaching more people, including our new outreaches to places such as Ukraine, Russia, and Israel. Plus, when you give to the Matching Challenge, you're entitled to request your copy of the brand-new 2023 Pathway to Victory Daily Devotional. More details later, but right now it's time to resume our teaching series called Celebrate the Savior. Today I'm presenting a message titled, Mary, Mary, Quite Extraordinary. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 1. Look at verse 26 with me. Now in the sixth month... You have to stop there. What do you mean six months? Well, remember, this is Elizabeth's story. Elizabeth, the uh, mother of John the Baptist, it was in the sixth month of her pregnancy that the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. Look at verse 27. Gabriel came to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, Gabriel said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. The Latin translation says, Hail, one who is full of grace. He has favored you. He has chosen you for a special purpose. You are the recipient of God's grace. Now, 
Verse 29 says that she was greatly troubled, wondering what kind of announcement the angel was about to make. But notice what he says in verse 30, you have found favor with God, do not be afraid. Verse 31, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and you shall bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Now I'm sure Mary wondered a lot of things at this point, but who will this baby be who I'm to call Jesus? Gabriel follows with a five-fold description of this baby that was more exacting than any sonogram could have ever been. Notice this five-fold description beginning in verse 32. Number one, he will be great, Gabriel said. Then he goes on, number two, to say he will be the son of the Most High. Number three, he will have the throne of David. This is an obvious reference to 2 Samuel 7, 16, in which God said to David, David, one of your descendants will be the Messiah who will sit on your throne. Verse 33, number four, he will rule over the house of Jacob forever. And then climactically, number five, his kingdom will have no end. Now that was the announcement. And so in verse 34, she responds with a logical question. And Mary said to Gabriel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Look at how he answers in verse 35. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. And look at Mary's response Verse 38, behold the bond slave of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. That word bond slave is the lowest kind of slave there is. In other words, Mary was saying, God, whatever you want to do with my life, do it. I am yours. I'm here to serve you. That commitment could have cost her a lot, as we'll see in just a moment. Now, in verse 39, we see Mary suddenly after this announcement, traveling in haste down to the south, down to Judah to visit her cousin Elizabeth. Now, does that strike you as strange? She hears this announcement and she leaves town as quickly as she can. I mean, why would somebody who had had such an announcement suddenly leave town? And why wouldn't she have her fiance go with her? Wouldn't that be normal? I mean, if she was going to take this risky journey to the south? Why didn't she ask Joseph to go with her? I think the reason is because but in that white space, see that white space in your Bible between verses 38 and 39? There's a little bit of white space there. And in the, that white space is something that happened that Luke did not record, but Matthew did record. Turn over to Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 19. Now, if you were Mary, and Gabriel had made such an astounding announcement to you, who's the first person you would go and tell about it? Probably your boyfriend, your fiance, Joseph. That's exactly what she did. She went and told Joseph, but he didn't have the reaction she was hoping for. Look at verse 19. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away secretly. Now, let's don't be too hard on Joseph here. I mean, put yourself in Joseph's sandals for just a moment. Your fiance, your girlfriend comes and tells you, 
You know, Joseph, we haven't had sex. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. You know, we haven't had sex before, but I need to let you know, an angel appeared to me and told me I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant, and, and God's the father. Now, can you imagine Joseph's reaction to that? I mean, he thought, either I'm engaged to a liar or to a lunatic. But either way, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life with her. I mean, that's a normal reaction with anybody with that kind of fantastic story. And yet, even though by law, he could have put her away and had her stoned to death as an adulteress, Joseph didn't do that. He still loved Mary. And because of his great love for Mary, he didn't want to disgrace her. He certainly didn't want to see her executed. So the Bible says he wanted to put her away secretly. In the relationship, just tell everybody it was irreconcilable differences and let them get on with their lives. And when Mary saw the reaction of Joseph, she was heartbroken, I believe. And that's why she left, left so quickly. Out of Joseph's presence, she went to somebody she thought would be sympathetic with her, her cousin, and that's why she went to Elizabeth's house. But God wasn't finished at all. Look at verse 20 of Matthew 1. But when Joseph had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit." And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. That's the quotation of Isaiah 7:14. And Joseph arose from his sleep, and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took her as his wife, and kept her a virgin, underline, until... She gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, I believe it was all of this that was taking place between verses 38 and 39. Mary leaves Nazareth, flees to Judah in order to talk to Elizabeth. Look at uh, verse 39. Now, at this time, Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it came about that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, that's Elizabeth's baby, six months in the womb, John the Baptist, the baby leaped in her womb. Remember the prediction about John the Baptist, Luke 1.15 says, he would be filled, that means controlled, by the Holy Spirit. And so here you have this six-month baby in the womb who hears the voice of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and he leaps in Elizabeth's womb. And by the way, this verse is a powerful, powerful argument against abortion. That baby in Elizabeth's womb was not some biological blob. He was a person. He was a person who, by the way, in the womb was controlled, filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And what is fascinating is this word baby found in verse 41 referring to John the Baptist is the Greek word brephos. 
And that word brephos is used elsewhere in the New Testament to refer to an infant and to a small child. God sees it all the same. He sees no difference between the baby inside the womb and the baby outside the womb. Here was a baby who was being controlled by the Holy Spirit of God in Elizabeth's womb. Now notice this. Verse 41, verse 41 says, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now why is that important? That Elizabeth was controlled by the Holy Spirit because of verse 42. Elizabeth cried out when she saw Mary with a loud voice and said, blessed among women are you and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Now wait a minute. How did Elizabeth know that her cousin Mary was going to be the mother of the Messiah? All Mary had said when she came through the door was hello. Now, how did she know this? The answer right there, verse 41, she was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave Elizabeth this information. And notice how Elizabeth praises Mary in verse 45. She says, and blessed is she, talking about Mary, who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what has been spoken to her by the Lord. Mary was uncomfortable with that kind of praise. And so she quickly turns the attention to God himself. And in verses 46 to 56, you have some of the most beautiful and poetic words in all of the scripture. Mary's praise to God. We many times refer to it as Mary's Magnificat. The Magnificat, it comes from the Latin translation, magnify, that you find in verse 46, when Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. We don't have time to look at these verses, but look at just the first four with me. And Mary said, my soul exalts, magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time, all the generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Now remember, this is coming from a 13-year-old. Just two things I'd point out about these verses. First of all, notice how she begins by referring to God as her Savior. God, my Savior. Mary was under no illusion that she was sinless. She was a sinner just like all of us are sinners. She needed a Savior just like we all need a Savior. The second thing I notice about these verses is how many references there are to the Old Testament. She is endlessly quoting the Old Testament scriptures. Just jot these down. 1 Samuel 2, Psalm 34, Psalm 35, Psalm 103. The, her words are dripping with quotations from the Old Testament. This 13-year-old girl knew the scriptures backward and forwards. It's the scriptures that gave Mary the foundation to understand what God was doing in her life. Mary recognized that her selection by God was the result of God's graciousness in her life. Now, I know we read this and we think, well, certainly this helps me understand the virgin birth of Christ, but <laughs> what does this have to do with me? I mean, after all, this event was a once in history event the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. How does what happened to this peasant teenage girl 2,000 years ago impact my life? You know, I think all of us, hopefully, 
desire to live more than an ordinary life. Wouldn't you like for God to use you to do something extraordinary? Something that would really make a difference in the world and his kingdom. As I read through this passage and look at the life of Mary, I think we can learn three characteristics of the kind of person God chooses to use in an extraordinary way. First of all, jot these down. God uses those who are pure. He uses those who are pure. Look, let's don't turn Mary into a plaster saint. She wasn't. She was a, norm, a normal teenage girl with all the normal drives of a teenage girl. And she was in love. She was engaged. I mean, couldn't she and Joseph have rationalized any premarital sexual relationship? They'd already decided they were going to get married. They would be married soon. They certainly, I'm sure, were tempted just like other young adults are to enter into a premarital sexual relationship. But had Mary done that, it's not that she couldn't have been forgiven. Of course, she could have been forgiven. But she would have been disqualified from this unique role that God had prepared for her. You see, given a choice between using someone who is pure and someone who is impure, God will always choose the pure vessel over the impure vessel. Let me illustrate that for you. Let's say, um, let's fast forward to the first week in August. It's 120 degrees in Dallas, Texas. You've been out working in the yard. You come back in at noon. You're dying for a drink of water. The only problem is there are no clean glasses in the house. And the only choice you have is a crystal goblet that is sitting in the sink that has been there for a week, caked over with grime and film. The only other choice is an empty peanut butter jar that has been thoroughly cleaned out. It's clean, but it was a peanut butter jar. Now, which vessel would you use to get a drink of water from? The grimy crystal goblet or the clean peanut butter jar? You'd choose the clean peanut butter jar. And that's what Paul has in mind in 2 Timothy chapter 2 when he writes, Now, in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if a man cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Given the choice between pure and impure, God will always choose pure. Think about Mary's situation. I'm sure in Nazareth, there were teenage girls who were more beautiful, more talented, more gifted than Mary. But Mary was pure. And that's why God chose her. You might say, well, pastor, I've messed that one up. I guess God can't use me anymore because I have fallen in that area. No, God can cleanse you. He can forgive you. And you can make a commitment to God from this point on that you're going to be a pure vessel available for God's use in an extraordinary way. God uses those who are pure. Secondly, God uses those who believe his word. Remember what Elizabeth said about Mary, blessed, happy is she who believes that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her. A simple reason that God chose Mary was Mary believed what God said. She had faith. You know, Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, 
It is impossible to please God. What is faith? Well, let me tell you what faith is not. Faith is not believing that God is going to do what I want him to do. That's what most people teach faith is. Picture in your mind what you want the most and then just believe, believe, believe. And if you believe long enough and hard enough, God will bring it to pass. That's not faith, that's presumption. Faith is not believing God will do what I want him to do. Faith is believing that God will do what he has promised to do. We don't know whether God is going to heal that person we care about so much who is ill. We don't know if God is going to bring us this job or not. We don't know if God's going to heal this relationship or not. We can't know ahead of time. Faith is not believing that God's going to do what we want him to do. Faith is believing that God will do what he's already promised to do. God had already spoken to Mary. He said, you're going to be the mother of the Savior. And Mary believed God. God uses those who believe his word and finally, God uses those who are willing to sacrifice that which is most important to them. God uses those who are willing to sacrifice that which is most important to them. When Mary said to Gabriel, I'm your bondservant, God, to do whatever you want to do, Mary was only 13, but she knew what she was saying. She knew that her acquiescence to being the mother of the Lord might very well end the relationship with the man she loved more than any other person on earth. She knew this might lead to the breakup of the engagement. You know, that's an extraordinary sacrifice for anybody to make, but for a teenage girl, think about that. That was an extraordinary sacrifice. But Mary was able to make it to sacrifice that relationship because of her love for and her commitment to God. What about you? Do you desire to be used by God in an extraordinary way? God uses those who are pure. He uses those who believe his word. And he uses those who are willing to sacrifice that which is most important to them. My teaching series is called Celebrate the Savior. There's much more we need to learn from Dr. Luke's detailed account of Jesus' life. And in just a moment, David will explain how you can receive your copy of the entire collection of messages on DVD and audio disc. This special holiday collection will also include a first-time music CD. It's a recording of some of my favorite Christmas songs performed by the magnificent First Baptist Dallas Choir and Orchestra. But first, let me encourage you to ignite your passion for Christ by requesting your copy of the brand new Pathway to Victory Daily Devotional for 2023. I've written enough chapters to keep you in God's Word every weekday of the new year. It's beautifully bound in slate blue leather, and it's something you'll refer to for years to come. Best yet, because of the light and the darkness matching challenge, every gift to Pathway to Victory is doubled until we reach the exciting goal of $525,000. All of us agree that we're fighting the powers of darkness in our culture, and together we have the opportunity to shine a light of hope in American cities and throughout the world. And because of the matching challenge, this is the perfect time to pour resources into Pathway to Victory. 
Every dollar is matched so that your generous gift of $100 becomes $200, or a gift of $500 becomes $1,000. There's no limit to what you can give that will be matched. Last year proved to be the most effective year in our history, touching more lives than ever before. And now we're asking God to greatly expand our influence in 2023 for His glory, using this matching challenge to catapult us into new markets where this program is yet to be heard. So, thank you in advance for investing in this worthy mission to point people all around the world to the person of Jesus Christ. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. Today, when you give a generous year-end gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory, We'll say thanks by sending you the brand new Pathway to Victory Daily Devotional for 2023. Call 866-999-2965 or visit ptv.org. And when your gift is $100 or more, we'll also send you both the CD and DVD sets for our current series called Celebrate the Savior, featuring inspirational Christmas messages from Dr. Robert Jeffress and music from the First Baptist Dallas Choir and Orchestra. Again, our toll-free number, 866-999-2965, or visit ptv.org. Now, today is Giving Tuesday, and people around the world respond with an extra measure of generosity. And I'm pleased to tell you that your gift to Pathway to Victory today will have twice the impact because of the Light in the Darkness Matching Challenge. So contact us right now with your special Giving Tuesday gift and know that your investment today will make an eternal difference for God's kingdom. You can give by going online to ptv.org. If you'd like to send your donation by mail, write to P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. That's P.O. Box 223609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. Every year at Christmas, we pause to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. But often, the busyness of the holiday season distracts us from its true meaning. So join us for a fresh look at the most important birth in human history. That's coming up Wednesday on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.